Do be seated as we come to God's word for us this morning. Belinda's going to come and read to us from Mark chapter 13. Good morning. We're reading from Mark chapter 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. And then down to verse 21. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything in advance. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone, and good morning to you watching from home. Well, what things do you associate with Remembrance Sunday? Maybe you think of the minute silence we've just had. Maybe you think of poppies and parades. Maybe you think of troops and trumpets. There's something very emotive about the sound of a trumpet. It's clear, it's loud, it's unmissable. And the use of a trumpet is poignant. You hear it on the battlefield. You'll hear it today in remembrance. And we'll hear it at the return of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 4, the Apostle Paul tells us that the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The trumpet call will announce the return of Jesus his return in glory. It will pierce the skies. The whole of humanity will see and hear his coming. This morning, we're going to think about an invitation to eternity. An invitation to eternity. Christ's invitation to us to be part of his eternal future. 
Christ's glorious return will pluck his church from this dying world and will take us to be with him eternally. Our passage in Mark 13, the disciples are gripped by what might happen in the future. They're there on the Mount of Olives. And as they look down across the valley, they are in awe of the temple. Possibly the most magnificent building of the, old, of, of the ancient world. The temple covered one-sixth of the city of Jerusalem. It had colonnades around it. It had courtyards. Some of the magnificent stones that the disciples were talking about were 30 feet long and 12 foot wide. And the front of the temple was adorned sumptuously in gold. No wonder they stood and marveled, lavished, imposing, magnificent. If anything spoke to them of their world, of being permanent and of security, the temple was it. But Jesus had a shock for them. Everything you see will be thrown down, he says, laid bare. Not a single stone will be left standing. This stunning temple will be reduced to utter ruins. They're in shock. When will this happen? When will this temple be raised to the ground? And if we look in Matthew chapter 24, they ask a supplementary question. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Does that sound like one question or two? Well, they ask about the destruction of the temple and they ask about the end of the world in the same breath. Because in my, their minds, it's probably just one question. If the temple is going to be torn down, then this surely must mark the end of the world. But actually, it's two questions. And it requires two answers. But as they asked it as one question, Jesus answers it as one question. That magnificent temple, in AD 70, the Romans came and they sacked Jerusalem and utterly destroyed it. That was a time of unprecedented slaughter. It was truly terrifying. It was the final judgment on a people who had crucified the Son of God. Jesus knew it would happen. He knew when it would happen. After all, he is God. However, there's one thing he didn't know. One thing only the Father knows. That is, he didn't know when he would return. In verse 32, he says, About that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be alert, be on your guard. Jesus couldn't tell them when he would return. He couldn't tell them whether it would be the next day or the next millennia. So he says, be on your guard, watch out, be alert. Watch for the signs of his coming. Now we are told much about the run-up to his coming in the scripture. Much by way of prophecy and signs and indications. Look for them, Jesus says. Be on your guard. Be on your guard so that you're not deceived. Be on your guard so that you're not led astray. Be on your guard so that you are ready, ready for his return. Ready to meet the Lord in the air. Ready to be taken up as part of his church, ready to hear that trumpet call. You'll be going on a journey. Be prepared. 
be packed and ready. For those who are ready, the reward is to be invited into God's banqueting hall. That place where the wedding of the bride of Christ, the church, will happen with Christ, the bridegroom, her saviour. The trumpet blast will mark the command of God to send his angels to gather his church. We will be taken to our eternal reward, taken to a mansion that Jesus has prepared for us. A mansion in a city whose streets are truly paved with gold. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, No eye has seen and no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So this then is the culmination of history. The day Jesus taught about in his parables. The day the harvest reapers will come and sift the wheat and the tares, putting the wheat into the barn of God's banqueting hall while sending the tares to be burnt into the fires of hell. Nobody will miss Christ's return. It'll pass nobody by. The command will be heard by all. The trumpet blast will summon the dead in Christ to rise. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4 that according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, we who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will, hallelujah, forever be with the Lord. This is the church, past and present, resurrected, unified, glorified, and finally victorious. It will be a remarkable turnaround because the church will have felt like it was under attack. It will have seemed like it was on the road to defeat. There will have been apprehension and fear. Fear for the state of the world. Fear of wars, of earthquakes, of famines. The whole natural order that we know will be shaken. And the church will be the focal point. The focal point of persecution. But when that trumpet sounds, Christ comes and deliverance comes. He will assert his authority over creation. Those who turned their backs on him, who blasphemed his name, who did not bow to the saviour of the world, they will then face the judgment seat of God. For the time of repentance will have passed. It will no longer be the day of salvation. It will be the day of judgment. And the writer to the Hebrews tells us, It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Our God is a consuming fire. But for Christ's church, it's a new world. It's a new heaven. It's a new earth. No sin, no pain, no sorrow. Love will reign. Peace, prosperity, health and joy. And Jesus, Jesus will be there intimately, Permanently, personally, you will know the warmth of his presence, the joy of his love. He will explain everything to you, answer your questions, put everything in perspective. 
And this mansion of yours, actually it's a palace. You'll be given a crown. You will reign with him. You will share in his majesty. And he will be proud. Proud to present you to his father. Proud to call you my brother or my sister. Proud of what his sacrifice on Calvary has accomplished for you. Proud that he, you owned him as your savior. Proud that you are an essential, immovable part of his family, the bride, the church. He will call you by name. He will see none of your past faults and failures. All he will see is his love reflected in your face, in your heart. You will know and be known. You will love and be loved like you have never imagined. You absolutely don't not want to be there. Of all the things to miss, hearing that trumpet blast and being raised to eternity with Christ is the biggest thing not to miss. How do we get there? Well, Christ has given us a roadmap, a route map which starts at the cross, the place where our sin was paid for, the place where Jesus himself died in our place. Death is the consequence of sin, which so many will find when Christ returns. That's why he invites us and warns us. He invites us to come. If we choose Christ, he takes the punishment for our sin himself as we crown him as our king. It's a divine exchange. He takes our sin, our guilt, our shame, and in return, we inherit his righteousness. So we're then free, free from condemnation, free from the consequence of judgment, free from that fear of eternal hell. And we have a new life, a new life in Christ, a freedom, a liberty that's given to those who are justified by faith. In the eyes of God, it will be as if we've never sinned, and the route map takes us from the cross where our sin is forgiven to the empty tomb, the tomb of Christ's resurrection. Because in rising, he broke the power of death when he came to life. And we inherit his eternal nature. And we inherit his eternal life. So as he was raised, so we too will be raised. Raised to a new life spiritually now and raised to a new life physically when we hear that trumpet call. From the cross and the empty tomb, we come to Pentecost where Jesus sends his spirit into our lives. A spirit which is a deposit of eternity. A spirit which gives us an inner power to live and to worship. A spirit who teaches us the very heart of God. The intimate presence of God is not saved for his second coming. It's here and it's now in the hearts of those who give their lives uncompromisingly to him. Eternal life starts now. It starts when we confess our sin. It starts when we turn to Christ. It starts when we acknowledge him as King and Lord and we accept the Holy Spirit as God indwelling us and we live and love and serve and worship him as God. He is coming again. He's coming again at a time that we don't know. He is coming to gather his church, 
an incalculable number of people whose lives have been turned, transformed, transfigured into the likeness of Christ. Will you be there when that trumpet sounds? Will he call you? Will he call you by name? Because you are his. If you've never given your life to Christ, he calls you this morning. If you've strayed, if you're you're half-hearted, he's calling you home. Come to him so that he will come for you. Jesus is desperate for you to come home. It's time to make that commitment. It's time to make that recommitment. Time to act. Time to repent. Time to come to Jesus. Because there's nothing gray about eternity. It is black or white. You are Christ's or you are not. But God's promise to you is this. That if you believe, you will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's your invitation to eternity. Let's pray together. Father God, we bow before you this morning. You are Lord, and we surrender our lives to you. Jesus' death has given us life. Jesus' resurrection has given us hope. And we look for his return. We want to be prepared, prepared to meet him, prepared to receive him, prepared for our eternal home. We ask for your forgiveness. We have not always lived in the light of your coming. I ask that by your spirit, the flame of love for Christ would burn so brightly in my heart, that when I hear that trumpet blast, my heart will leap for joy as I am eternally invited home. I wait for your coming. I watch for your coming. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.